Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Bringer NFL show. I'm Nora Princiati. I am here as always with Mallory Rubin. Mallory, how are you doing? Oh, Nora. A joy to be with you as always. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Sometimes, you, it's, you know, I always ask the how are you, but it's nice to get it back in return. But I'm doing very well because we're also here with Stephen Ruiz. Stephen, back to back Ringer NFL show pod week for you. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been a big week for me. My third episode. It's been it's been uh, it's been humbling. It's been a humbling experience. I said this on a pod like two weeks ago. I don't understand when people say like something an experience is humbling, like when they win an award. I, I feel like I would have the opposite reaction. Yeah, you'd be like, I'm not the best. Yeah. <laughs> I'm arrogant now. I'm incredible. <laughs> nice shot I'm holding this. Up. I'm holding this pod together. I'm holding this feed together. <laughs> we do not plan on, on humbling you on this episode. Yeah, um, appreciate it. We have a mailbag. Probably not typically a humbling experience, the mailbag, although you never know. Uh, and we are going to go through some of the wonderful questions that listeners submitted. Um, there has, however, it's been a big, big NFL news week. Um, so I want to just point anyone who's listening to this to a great conversation about uh, the news of Brian Flores' lawsuit against the NFL and some other coaching cycle updates on that pod uh, with Kevin and Steven from yesterday. That's on the Ringer NFL show feed. And then there is a fantastic piece by Kaylin Jones um, about kind of what precipitated Flores's suit up on the ringer.com. Great website. Highly encourage everyone to go read that, to listen to the pod. Those are really great in-depth conversations. So check them out. But for now, we have wonderful questions. Thank you guys for sending them in. Um, and we will just get started. So our first question comes from Casual Read 43. I like that handle. I like that handle a lot. Who asks, what's another team that could go the Rams method of trading all their picks for talent to make a run at the Super Bowl? So the Rams, I believe, I don't have the numbers in front of me, do not have a first round pick until um, 3,027. Uh, <laughs> we will all be dust in the wind by the time the, the Rams make another first round selection. The entire um, draft will be conducted uh, in the metaverse. <laughs> By the time the Rams next make a first round selection. Looking forward to it. Yeah. But in the meantime, Steven, do you think there is another team that could sort of adopt that all in philosophy? I'm expecting an incredible hot take from you here. <laughs> I, I don't have a hot take. My my answer is the Broncos. I okay. think like, yeah, that makes the sense. foundation for the Rams approach is having a lot of young stars. And I feel like the Broncos have a lot of young stars, especially on offense. And Really, they just need to trade for a quarterback. So they could take the Rams' philosophy of not caring about first-round picks, bundle up like 10 of them, and give them to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers, and I think they would be in the Rams' position next year. My only concern is they don't have Sean McVay. They have Nate Hackett. And I've seen some, like, mic'd up videos Nate of Nate Nathaniel. Hackett. We got to, like, nail down. We've got Matt Matthews Stafford in the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm seeing Nathaniels. I'm seeing Nate's. I, I would love if anybody has clarity, if anyone is close to Nathaniel, a.k.a. Nate Hackett. Like, I, I feel no like idea. it's based on how good he is. Like if he's good, he gets one name. <laughs> and if he's bad, he gets another. I don't know which one's which, though. Which it, Nate might be. Is that the good one or the bad one? Or is it Nathaniel? 
Well, if we're following the Stafford convention, the full name is the good one, because I think Matthew Stafford is the good version and Matt Stafford throws a lot of picks. But if you watch the mic'd up videos, this guy is not a Nathaniel. He's a Nate. And that's not like any shade towards Nates out there. I, I know a couple Nates that I like, but he's like, I've heard him compared to Michael Scott and that's his thing. Like he does bits as a coach. And I don't think you could be a successful coach if you do bits. And that's coming from someone who is very committed to the bits. Yeah, they you do. love a bit. I, you love I, a bit. I love a bit. Bits rule well, everything around me. I mean, you're like a Kevin perfect Clark's candidate to coaching career this. catching strays. Steven or Steve, if you were a head coach, you know? What would you go I've, I've by? Always been a, I've always been a Steven guy. I've yeah, but would you pivot to Steve end. at some point? You know, if you were a starting quarterback or a head coach, what vibe would you want to cultivate? Like, Stevie? I would be, I would definitely not be a Stevie. Not Stevie. Yeah. I would cut. be we're Steven. Gonna cut. <laughs> I would be Steven, but if I failed, I would rebrand as Steve. And that would be my, my way of getting another chance. Interesting. An That's like Mike McCarthy going start. to visit PFF for you. You don't even have to yeah. do that. You're just like, ah, I'm Steve. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't go as Michael McCarthy after that. That would have been good. <laughs> Steven comes back, rebranded as Steve. New perspective says it's okay for refs to be old. <laughs> no, I will totally never change Totally new that. outlook on the league. Changed, man. <laughs> never changing that. No old refs. <laughs> I like the Broncos pick. I think that, I mean, there's a huge sort of implicit portion of this question that has to do with which teams are going to go all out for an Aaron Rodgers, maybe a, a Russell right. Wilson in the offseason. The right. main contenders for that are Denver, maybe Pittsburgh. The one that I don't think is realistic this offseason, just because of the reporting that's out there and, and what decision makers have said, is I can see the Titans doing this. I think they have to, and it in some ways would be the one that mirrors the Rams the most because part of the all-in strategy was swallowing just an ungodly amount of money to go from somewhere in middle to lower tier at quarterback to somewhere better, um, arguably, arguably better at least. I think they, I mean, one, like Vrabel's just said that they're totally committed to Tannehill for next season in ways that I believe it is also a lot of money that becomes significantly less money if they just waited out a year. So I, I don't think that that's happening this time around, but I can see them because they do have sort of star pieces. I can see them trying to keep the window open particularly when next year I think they will be forced to figure out the quarterback situation. And I can see them kind of doing that. Interesting. Do you have another contender, Mel? I have two that I want to throw out for the group consideration. And we can narrow it down to one and have our final okay. three. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> It'll shock everyone to hear I wasn't capable of only picking one nominee <laughs> in a limited contained exercise. All right. <laughs> I, it's possible I've twisted myself into some logic pretzels here, but hang with me for a second and then let me know what you this think. It's a lot right. of buildup. The pressure is <laughs> on right. now. I'm actually I, I, like, trying to like release the pressure before even making the pick, but I think I've achieved the opposite. You're right. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on you right now. Like you need like an amazing answer. It needs to be like something way out of left field. It needs to be like Here's the, the commanders. If the if the answer is not amazing, then I'm just going to trade my prior answers for <laughs> another established answer and give up my ability to draft future answers. Nice. And it'll just become a meta exercise and it'll be fine. All right. Here are my two nominees. First. Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, they I like have it. such a poor recent track record of developing their first round draft picks that it's like, why even have them? Right. Just and don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the most high profile examples of first round picks they have developed. Well, Mac, Mari Cooper, they end up trading away anyway. Right. So what are these first picks for? Raiders actually came in last in, um, the that PFF ranking of the best and worst teams at drafting specifically in the first round over the last decade, like their performance is consistently, consistently poor here, right? So why keep the picks if you're not using them? Turn them into proven commodities instead. The question, the reason, I feel confident in that part of it, of the logic. The thing I wanted to ask you guys about is 
we've got a new regime, right? So does that make it more or less likely that this would be a moment when the Raiders would consider such a thing? Got a new GM, got a new coach. Part of it, typically at least, uh, a new GM like Dave Ziegler coming in and saying, this is how I'm going to improve our roster, bolster our personnel, is by acquiring talent, young talent, through the draft. But, hey, maybe McDaniels is like, that's the quarterback I want. Go get him for me, right? Maybe this could happen. What do you think? So I like I like it because one thing that the Raiders have in common with the Rams that's sort of part of this blueprint is it's not really a blueprint for a team that's drafting in the top five, right? Like we could very easily say, you know, the Jets and the Giants and the Jaguars have just massive amounts of draft capital. They can go spend it all. Sure. But like, that's not what, that's not the point of the way the Rams built. Like it has to be sort of this balancing act where you are already not necessarily capped out, but you're spending a lot. Like you are a good team. It's it's just, a, it's a different format than that. Right. The Raiders are in position to draft 17th after, you know, they salvaged their season and, and ended up having a pretty good year. That's a good position to be doing that from, right? Because you're not necessarily thinking, you know, if you're thinking sort of soberly about Las Vegas, they are not, if it goes badly, it's not like, oh, well, this is the highest you would expect to ever be drafting, right? Like right. the last couple of years when the Patriots have been in the middle of drafting in the middle of every round, it's kind of like, well, the silver lining is that they never used to get an opportunity to do this. So in some ways, these are valuable picks for them. If the Raiders try something and it goes badly, they're probably drafting pretty high. So it's not the scariest thing in the world to give up the 17th overall pick. The one thing about, you mentioned the new regime. I mean, Dave Ziegler is a career scout for the most part. So he's going to, he's going to want to draft that. That's the, that's the probably that wants my to make some preservation here. Yeah. yeah. What is number two? All Team right. number two. Here's my other contender. And this is more fully through the lens, like the aspect of the strategy of, you know, flags fly forever. Don't think about the future. Think about how to capitalize on the now, right? How to make the most of a really small window, even if in trying to do so, you shrink the window further. Seattle Seahawks, right? You mentioned Russ as a trade candidate, right? Who maybe hands up on another team. What is the way that the Seahawks could try to avoid that outcome, right? It's not going to be, I mean, Nora, one of our, I think we would agree, most memorable podcasting experiences this year is when we asked Danny Kelly to join us for a Seahawks episode. And before we could even like send him a confirmed time for the recording, he had a seven page Google doc ready that was just a list <laughs> of botched draft picks and strategy, right? <laughs> From recent seasons. It's so again, there's that element of are you getting what you need to get and want to get out of the draft anyway? But also, what's the appeal? What's the appeal that they can maybe make to Russ? We will try to do everything we can to optimize this next season with you and turn this around really, really quickly. Now, there's a little bit maybe of, you know, lingering like Jamal Adams' big trade pain inside of that franchise and, and fan base that could have a, an impact here. But I don't know. I, I feel like that I actually feel like this would be a, a sound thing for them to try. And of course, as an in-division team, like a rival of the Rams, they're going to be as familiar as any team in the league with how successful this has been. So those are my two, two nominees. The one problem with Seattle, though, is they they already kind of did that with Jamal Adams and yeah. they don't have a first round pick now because of it. So right. they would have to do it next year. But just that's part of the Rams approach, Trade right? Is you just yeah, go further like and just further into the future. the future. Yeah. Right. That's that's a good point. And I agree. They're they're willing to do that. They've shown yeah, it in the past. There is no like, future. Even, There's only the now. Not even just the Jamal Adams trade, like the Jimmy Graham trade that they made, the Percy Harvin trade. So they they've been willing to deal those first round picks. So I think that's that's a good pick and a realistic. Also, one. last off season when Russ was upset, he was placated by what trading a fifth for. Gabe Jackson, like they can figure this out. It doesn't have to be that much. He's easy. And Gabe to Jackson please. had been like cut like a week before. It wasn't even. They were just like, "We'll give you a fifth round pick." Here you go, Russ. I don't know if this is accurate in the slightest, but I it really did seem kind of like that was the olive branch, and I just love the idea that like Russell Wilson, that is sort of his bar. He is that easy to 
easy to to make feel it's, better. I think that's it's very like charming. when you when you're it's like when you're playing video games and there's like a little kid that wants to play and you like give him a controller but don't plug it in and and they think they're playing the game. That's kind of what they they did. Is with that this. a thing that you do to small children? <laughs> that's cruel. That's a thing that everybody does. That's like that's a like thing. a very when no, I was little. Um, don't put that on me. Don't oh put that on me. Oh my god. What? This is awful. When I was little, I used to really like to press elevator buttons. So my parents convinced me that the button, like with the number of the floor on it, was the real button. But that's and they would let me press because your parents were then performing a public good, right? By preventing (laughs) you from allowing an elevator to go to 30 floors it didn't need to go to. Steven is out here just preventing children from enjoying the thrill of Mario Kart. No, let, let me point Producer out the fact Arjuna that Producer Arjuna says, can confirm my brothers did this to me. I I was the youngest brother in my household. So when I said that, when I said the he, that was about me. I was the one that was getting that done to. Until I was old enough to do it to others. Yeah. So right. also, Mel, it might be a, it might, depending on how many people are playing this video game and how bad young Steven was at Mario Kart, this also Terrible. might be a public good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we want to elect like one supreme Rams blueprint copier from all of those options? Or, or can I, are we can I throw out one list? wild card pick before? How about the team Please that the, the Rams are playing in the playoffs are in the Super Bowl? Why don't the Bengals go all in and try to build on this young core that they have while they're still on the rookie contracts? Ooh. It might be because if you have more veterans, you have to pay them money. Pay them the money and win a couple Super Bowls while Burrow's sorry, on his contract. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Cincinnati Bengals. That's oh yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> and they but only I have like, like it. one. No, I like it. But they only have one scout. So how much are they scouting the draft anyway? Just trade those picks. <laughs> Take some stuff <laughs> off of his plate. Right. Okay. Actually, yeah, I'm convinced by that. I will say, Mal, you you made a very compelling case for the Seahawks. I really like that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, See, I like I like the Raiders pick. I'm I'm gonna I, I'm gonna elect the Raiders as the supreme wow. pick the team that should do it. The okay. Raiders are kind of like you can see whatever you want in the Raiders. Yeah. Going for because it's like it's new regime, uncertainty at quarterback. There are some real holes on the roster, but also some real talent. So it's like you can you can project anything you want for the Raiders. They're very useful. Um, all right. Second question is from Ron Morse, who asks, should Kyle Shanahan have benched Jimmy G for Trey Lance once the Niners-Rams game got tied up at 17? So that took place with six minutes and 49 seconds to go. Um, Mal, what do you think about this? Uh, Let me just say that I love the the question. (laughs) I love the spirit at the heart of the question. This is why we do mailbags. This is great. <laughs> uh, Nora, you noted already the game situation, right? 6.49 left when the Rams kicked a field goal in, in, in the fourth quarter to not it at 17. I think that my personal stance on the Jimmy G, Trey Lance, Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco 49ers man- season-long management is has been clearly stated throughout the season. I've been kind of confounded by it. However, despite my deeply held and ingrained feelings on the matter, you cannot, if you have managed the team that way and the season that way and gone with Jimmy G to that point, ask Trey Lance to come into a decisive, high profile, (laughs) all on the line NFL playoff game with six minutes and 49 seconds left in the fourth quarter and say, save this thing. You just can't do it. If there's one person in the world who I think would do it, it is Kyle Shanahan, despite how he managed this season. Uh, but it just, oh, gosh, the takes. If only for the takes, it would have been worth it. I- I'm with you. Like, I just don't think, I also think, if you did this, how did you handle your practice week leading up to the game? Because it would probably have to be a little strange to create a circumstance in which he actually felt like Lance was ready to, to go for seven critical minutes of a tied NFC championship game. The one that I really am curious about is, and, and Steven, I'll pose this to you. Uh, when Shanahan punted on fourth and two with 10 minutes left 
if you don't trust Jimmy to go for that, or you don't want Jimmy to go for that. And, and I, I'll give up my answer here. I'm kind of like, I just think that's a bad call. I think Jimmy can probably get two yards or like you should have a play where you're like, I think Jimmy can get two yards here. But I I do see an argument for, well, maybe you throw Lance in in that situation and convert on fourth down. Maybe the, the game ends differently. Again, that it still feels a little shaky to me just because it's like, why can't Jimmy do it? Um, if you're trusting him to play the entire game, like I, I just think you have to have a fourth and two play call that you like. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think you keep Jimmy in. And I, I think you keep Jimmy in because if you're bringing Trey Lance onto the field, you're kind of signaling to the defense what you're about to do. Like, oh, we're about to run Trey Lance. Why else would he be on the field? And he hasn't proven to be right. a quarterback at this point where he's able to take advantage of the layups. That was, I think that was one of the big reasons why they went back to Jimmy after he started that game against the Texans. He was missing like easy throws. So even if you get a guy wide open in the flat on fourth and two, there's no guarantee he's going to hit that throw. Jimmy's the better thrower. My answer to this question is no, but maybe yes. And the reason why I say that is it's not an answer at all. But I I say no because the 49ers or the Rams were like loading the box. Like they had all the both safeties down into the box defending the run and Jimmy is a better thrower than Trey Lance is at this point in their careers. So I don't see what the advantage is if they're loading up against the run. But maybe, yes, because Trey Lance does have a big arm and he seems more willing to use it than Jimmy is. And maybe he hits on a throw downfield and that changes the Rams or forces the Rams to change their defensive strategy. But no, just keep Jimmy. Because then you would have had to practice all week like a package of plays for Trey Lance to use. That's just not realistic. Do you think that anything changes for the Niners if they approach this, let's call it the second half of the season a little bit differently and do not just over the course of one week of practice, but consistently sprinkle Lance in? Do you think that changes anything with the outcome here? I do think so. I, that, I That's what I thought they were going to do. I thought they were going to use the Kaepernick model, like what the 49ers did when they went to the Super Bowl with Kaepernick, where they gave him a sprinkling of plays throughout the first half of the season. Then Alex Smith gets hurt and they start him. And then they just totally change things in the playoffs. Like they spring a whole new offense on defenses and that takes them by surprise and they don't have time to adjust. I thought that was going to be the model. It wasn't, but having watched Lance play during the regular season, I see why it wasn't the model. Like he's not ready to play. We have to remember the last time he played a full season of football, he was 19 years old and he was playing against FCS. Should be illegal. Right. Exactly. Should all be illegal. Even though this isn't the question, should we just have one minute here about where Jimmy's going to land? It's like kind of amazing to watch the way that everybody involved is talking about this. Like it's a complete foregone conclusion. Like it's kind of it's it is actually genuinely fascinating. And Jimmy, to his credit, is like, you know, yeah, I want to go to a winner. I'd like to go to a winner. You know, (laughs) we're all I got bad news, Jimmy. I got bad news, Jimmy. If a team is trading for Jimmy G, they are probably probably not a winner. What's your favorite well, landing spot? Well, although there are some, yeah, like where do you think, Stephen? Because there's a couple landing spots where if he's a bridge quarterback, he could be going to one of these kind of quarterback away teams. It's, I don't think that's out of the question. Right. I think it's the Browns or the Broncos make the most sense and would give him the best chance to succeed. I don't think the Browns are going to give up on Baker yet, so I don't think that's realistic, but I think it's something the Browns should do. The Broncos make sense to me because he's, Hackett is coming from a system that's like the McVeigh Shanahan yeah. system. So he has experience. We know he can operate in that system when the right pieces are around him. And I think Denver does have a lot of the right pieces. I think you should go to Tampa just for the, just for the poetic nature of God, always being in Brady's shadow for his entire career. Poetic nature, yeah. absolute check team. That would be a very reasonable place for a, you know, middle of the road, but definitely starting caliber bridge quarterback to go check. Here's your issue. Everything Bruce Arians wants is what Jimmy is not good at. Right. I know. He'd fight him. He'd fight him at some point. <laughs> he would like it would not be a harmonious come marriage. To blows over a seven step drop. Like just there think would just, of the just, blurb that we would eventually get in the next Danny Heifetz QB commitment index as a result. You know? Like, isn't it worth it? The blurb would be, I hate Jimmy Garoppolo. This is not a quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Which is completely unfair. 
But what Bruce Arians sees when he closes his eyes at night and imagines a quarterback is not Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not it just Jimmy is at all. Not. It's the complete opposite. <laughs> oh gosh, it would be funny though. It would be a funny little, funny little situation. Maybe I think Bruce Arians would would make Antonio Brown his quarterback before he makes Jimmy G's before Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, Mal, this one, you, I, I'm going to throw this one to you first. It is from... Okay. NJ Bond guy, which woeful NFL franchise will appear in a Super Bowl prior to Dune Part Two being released? So okay. here's the thing, though. Yes, this right. This is this next schedule year. Here, yeah, is October 20, 2023. That's right. So, like, for this to happen, some Bengals esque team has to come out of nowhere again and win next year's Super Bowl. Right. That's correct. I mean, I think it's it's possible that the questioner, the question submitter could be factoring in the inevitable <laughs> cinematic Delay. delays. And maybe we have, you know, two seasons to work with instead of one. But yes, this is not a far in the future. Not a hugely scenario. Long window. Right. Like like you said, it's 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 basically akin to asking who can who can pull up angles, you know, who can go from being a last place team to a Super Bowl contender in the span of one year who can hoist a trophy and look into the camera and say, my Dune, my Arrakis, my Lombardi. That was for Nora. We like like to talk about Dune. Um, We love to talk about Dune. I once again have a a few contenders. I will say I found this question challenging. This is hard. Because this is a supremely difficult and unusual thing, right? right? This is like not normal. Because of that, and because of my propensity to look for a loophole whenever I can and cheat with one of these mailbag answers, I'm going to attempt to cheat here and see if you will allow it. Okay, but you're you're well within your rights to say that this is not eligible for submission. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Ever heard of them? <laughs> No way. Give me 30 30 seconds. (laughs) No, they are not woeful as a team or a franchise. Of course. But, but just as the answer needs to be concentrated in a finite moment in time, what if the point in which we are moving from also is concentrated in a very small span of time, specifically the final six games of this past season. Now, (laughs) Even as a last place finisher, like eight and nine is not a woeful mark. Obviously, the Ravens are perennial playoff contenders, draft exceedingly well, incredibly well-worn run franchise, have Lamar, not a woeful this team. Is, I wish that I had is a gavel, but this is so <laughs> out of line. <laughs> that, 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 that stretch, losing the six to fall out of the playoffs and the more broad injury decimation that cursed nature across the season. I think you could say it was a woeful campaign and that thus they're eligible for consideration no. as a legit Super Bowl contender next year. Oh, the, no? the no? poor Ravens. No? The poor Ravens only won eight <laughs> games this year. Everyone was healthy. Everyone was healthy on Carolina and they still only won five games. I had to draw Lions fans who are looking at a Super Bowl <laughs> that is going to feature Matthew Stafford and Eminem 
and are all thinking right. to themselves, this all is right. the closest Detroit okay. is going to get. All right. Who just I had, had to, to hear try. you. I know. I, I'd like to apologize to my co-hosts and all of our listeners. I did have to try, though. Here's my actual pick, the Chicago Bears. <laughs> the Bears are my actual pick, but I appreciate you <laughs> indulging me. I said it would be 30 seconds. It was more like 90. Isaiah's just going to end up inserting sound effects of you hitting the gavel. That's going to be a tough stretch for me, but I had to do this it. This episode needs an explicit content warning on it. I think all of my pods have that, to, <laughs> to be honest. So Bears, I think there are a lot of parallels here, actually, with the, the Bengals template, right? Another team that struggled in year one with rookie quarterback, of course, different reasons, right? I mean, so much of uh, last year with the Bengals, you have to toss away because of the Burrow injury. But the Bears were 6-11 and 11, uh, this year, finished in third, and look, they're only a season away from having last made the playoffs. I think even with the Bears, woeful is, is, is extreme here, right? There, there are only a few teams that actually, this is the thing. There are only a few teams that actually deserve the woeful label, and none of them are, none of them are going to be able to win the Super Bowl next year. None of them. So we have to kind of look for nuance within within that parameter, I think. And in terms of a team that could go from mediocrity one season, right? From some disappointment one season to contention the next year. I think that the Bears building around fields with an already excellent defense and a, a new coach and a new GM, like a new regime that is going to be focused on how to build effectively and quickly around their young star quarterback in a kind of weak division that could quickly get a lot weaker if Aaron Rodgers is no longer on the Packers, there could really be a chance here for them to shoot up the standings. That's my actual pick. What do you think? I I I think that's like the key point to compare is the division. Like the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, but they didn't look like contenders throughout the season. They kind of got lucky. And then everything melted away around them. Right. Like the Ravens weren't supposed to be that bad. (laughs) The Steelers have Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback, which is was just a mess. And then the Browns totally imploded. I think there's potential for that to happen in the NFC North next season. Yeah, I, I w- do wonder. It seems like um, so their defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, who's very good, uh, is interviewing for the same job with the Raiders. And it seems like he might have something of an inside track there. So there are losses um, that could come there that could be a little bit difficult. But they should be in good hands on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I also think it's fair to call them woeful because uh, they've made the playoffs, but I believe they have the, so the longest playoff droughts without a win are the Lions, Dolphins, Raiders, the now commanders, LOL, um, the Jets and then the Bears. So it's it's been a while. I think that's fair. Steven, who is your selection? I'm taking the same strategy. I'm taking a second-year quarterback. I'm going to go with the Jaguars. Even though we're going to explain why this isn't <laughs> going to happen in the next question, I'm going with the Jaguars because I still believe in Trevor Lawrence. I think he's capable. He's the the quarterback most capable of taking the the leap that Burrow took, where he became like a bona fide top 10 quarterback, maybe top five. I think he has that in him. My my worry is everything else around him. But like like Mal said, like none of these, none of these teams are actually going to make the Super Bowl. So I just went with I just went with Trevor Lawrence. I would like to nominate if we can work off of the teams that have gone a long time without a playoff win list. I think the Raiders deserve consideration as well. Hold on a second. You told me mere moments ago that we had to just put our entire argument inside of that one word woeful and then pick the team that you just spent moments of this very episode praising for their emergence. They were only eight yards away from beating the Bengals like three weeks ago. I'm old enough to remember Nora praising the Raiders because it was seven minutes ago on this podcast. (laughs) They are, they have the third longest playoff drought without a win. I think that counts. I think that counts more than the Baltimore Ravens who've won like a hundred playoff games. Isaiah, if you did in fact get that gavel sound effect out for me earlier, give it to us again here. Let's all agree that I have, let's all agree that I'm the only one that followed the rules and picked (laughs) a team that actually qualifies. I didn't pick a playoff team or a team that has an MVP on at quarterback. (sighs) 
great. Well, then you then your your reward is that you have to answer the next um, question, which is oh, from. No. See, oh, I guess I have to say this, Yannisense man. Like it, I would if I mm-hmm. didn't yeah. know Giannis, I would say Giannisense man. But I assume it's Giannisense man. Uh, the question is, and I believe that this is producer Isaiah's burner account. Um, I, I think we should just accept that. The question is. What the hell is going on in Jacksonville? Really, what's the reporting on what happened? And how did Balky win the power struggle? Um, as a brief primer, and then Stephen, I will I'll turn this over to you. Uh, the Jaguars have interviewed, I believe, 10 head coaching candidates, including Doug Peterson, Todd Bowles, Jim Caldwell, Vic Fangio, Kellen Moore, Byron Leftwich, Daryl Bevel, Bill O'Brien, Nathaniel Hackett, and Matt Eberflus. Uh, there has been some reporting that uh, Eberflus, Leftwich, and Hackett were finalists, but a couple of them, specifically um, Hackett and Leftwich, were not psyched about the idea of working with Trent Baalke. Um, It seems as though they may have been interested in uh, Kevin O'Connell, which is obviously no longer an option. Um, that might have made them sort of slow down the process, uh, waiting for him to um, be done with the playoffs. It now seems like Peterson is the leader in the clubhouse. It all seems very strange. That is all I know. Stephen Rees, what is going on in Jacksonville? Oh, man. I, I don't know how to answer this. Trent Balky, like has control over Shad Khan or something. Like, uh, there's a report from Mike Garofolo that Khan is asking candidates about Balky, about working with him while Balky is in the same, while Balky's in the room. This was astonishing. I, I don't understand that. I can't even think of like a, a real world equivalent. Nor I've been meaning to ask it, you, what do you think of, um, what do you think of Steven? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> It's a bit weird. So bad. And like, this isn't the first time the Jaguars have conducted a coaching search like this. Like when Gus Bradley was there, they were looking for a new defensive coordinator and they had this assistant named Todd Wash sitting in on the interviews and kind of help out Bradley. And Todd Wash ended up being the defensive coordinator. So he was helping out with the interviews and he was probably like, no, that guy's bad. That guy's bad. Maybe I should just do the job. Maybe I should just have the job. And that's what it seems like Balky's doing. There's There was another report that he wants to have more interaction with players on the field. Like he wants to become a coach. It sounds like I really just think he wants to take over this organization and Khan, based on the fact that he got fooled by urban Meyer. I'm not so sure that he's going to catch on to Balky's tricks. I think Balky's going to like end up owning this team in like a year. He's going to be, be playing quarterback instead of Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence gets benched. I think it's, it's generally good to keep in mind. Um, General managers spend a lot more time sitting and talking and hanging out with team owners than coaches do, right? Like coaches are, they're on the field, they're working with players, general managers, they tend to be a little bit more like their backgrounds are a little bit more kind of office business-like. It's a bit more familiar to the guys who own the teams and they just spend more time together. And sometimes that equates to closer relationships and, you know, a lot of the time when it seems odd that a general manager sort of won a power struggle over a coach. I mean, in this case, it's not that part is no mystery, but why a general manager has such a sort of stronghold on an operation. It's often because they're really, really, really close with ownership just because of the structural nature of the job. Um, it, it also, I, I bet that it seemed as though they were, kind of starting to get their hopes up about Kevin O'Connell, who will now be the the Vikings coach um, because Harbaugh had a very strange interview and oh either thought that he was a shoe in. And when that was not the case said he didn't want it or quick, quick, quick sidebar before we circle back to the Jags with the Harbaugh thing. That all transpiring on National Signing Day is like bananas, an all timer, genuinely a bananas an move, a truly bananas <laughs> move. I, I can't believe uh, that's real. 
I was trying to think of like a 4D chess thing that Harbaugh was trying to do by having the interview on that day and then basically oh, deciding that okay. he was going to go back to Michigan. And I can't Galaxy come up with Galaxy brain. It. Like, oh, no. Oh, I like this. Oh, yes. Steven. Okay. So other programs hear that he's interviewing that day on signing day with the Vikings. There are murmurs, right, that he's if he's if he's going to have conversations with high profile recruits with any of the, the five stars at all, it's going to be to tell them, hey, not going to be here after all. And then other programs take their foot off the gas trying to flip Michigan recruits because they don't think they need to work as hard because it's it's all right there. They're going to leave on their own. They're going to decommit on their own. Galaxy brain. Love the way you think, man. I'm concerned at how quickly you were able to jump into the mind of John Harbaugh, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, not John. Jim Harbaugh. I just think, honestly, this is the we needed to see a little more of this from the Jaguars, right? Like, let's see some creative thinking. Let's see right, something. Yeah. What if Harbaugh is just proving what if this is just an ego way, driven way to prove yet again to Michigan? I can do anything I want and you will simply just give me more money. That could be it rolled out i think that one of the things with the jag situation i mean you know steven already outlined in our prior question like you've got trevor trevor lawrence right so you you really can't afford this ineptitude and they already had an entire season squandered and lost to peak ineptitude right like downright negligence in terms of <laughs> managing their franchise with everything that happened with meyer and beyond right so when you start to just look at the the sheer number of days that they have wasted here, right? Like how much time has already passed since they fired Meyer? How many other coaches have already made a change? If they are going to end up changing something with at GM with Balky and bringing in another GM and doing a full reset, like that's the kind of thing you do all at once, right? You clean house in tandem right. so that you can reset in full efficiently. Like this is just so inefficient and bizarre and then that like kind of starts to build on itself right there's this like exponential quickly exponential quality to like the mortification when something like this is happening and then something that like should have actually been between the the star young quarterback the cap space etc of like pretty desirable job starts to become like the the butt of the joke right and that doesn't mean it, it's still not like a, a very appealing job ultimately but this is just bizarre. And we should also note um, an extraordinary number of the mailback questions that we got were about this, right? Now, we here inside of the Ringer NFL show family feel fairly certain that many of these questions came from our producer, Isaiah, right? But maybe a few of them came from real people who are not Isaiah or actually Jaguar fans. There were a lot of Jaguars questions. Right? There my brother is a Jaguars fan, by the way. How dare you guys? My brother is a real person and he, he roots for the Jaguars. He was he keeps the one who me took about, your controller away. <laughs> that was a tandem effort. I'm not going to blame it on any one brother. That was both of them. But he was texting me about the coaching job and I just stopped answering because I don't have answers for you. I don't know. He, th he thinks because I write about the NFL like I'm some insider who has who has nuggets. I don't have any nuggets. I'm like you. I don't know. I don't know. The nugget is that they're going to go multiple months without having a, a head coach in place. Like, that's no, just it's not, be not a thing that you can do. Urban's going to be their coach in week one. Stop. I got sidetracked um, talking about Harbaugh, but it does seem like they set their sights on O'Connell a little bit, and then maybe it slowed them down just because... But, then they, but, um, they, but they, they botched that then, if that's the case. Well, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the... No, I, I'm, I don't think that that's a testament to how well things are things are going. Uh, but it does seem like the type of thing that might have slowed them down a little bit. How bad is your franchise if a coach is willing to work with Kirk Cousins over Trevor Lawrence? That's the question I'm asking. I, I just don't understand why Leftwich isn't the, the no-brainer answer. It seems like all the fans want Leftwich. It feels like me media is clamoring for it, and you just hired a coach where the whole everyone in media was like, this is a dumb idea. This is going to fail. And then it did. I feel like you need to give the public what they want at this point and just go with Leftwich. And if he fails, I don't think people are, are going to shit on the Jaguars because we all thought that was the best idea. It's like a freebie. Yeah, but I think he he doesn't want to work with He doesn't with want to work with Falcon, Falcon. right? According well, to yeah. Reports. Yeah, so that's, that's the thing. Like, again, just make that change first and then bring on the best right. coaching candidate and forge that new 
team together. Like they've just completely navigated this in reverse and they're going to potentially cost themselves the best candidate as a result. It's bizarre. Football people like really don't like Trent Balky, which is kind of, I mean, all of these people are like getting beers together on a relatively regular basis at the senior bowl and the combine and, and all that stuff. Like usually unless there's some sort of personal beef, like people have rivalries and, and people that they've had bad experiences with and stuff, but like it's kind of a, a fraternal situation. A lot of people don't like that guy. I think it's like a real problem. The one guy that matters in Jacksonville does happen to like him. So I don't know if they're ever going to get out of it, but I think it's going to come to a situation where Khan is going to be forced to re- to break up with Balky. And that's the only way it's going to happen. That's what happened with the 49ers. Like they, it got so bad that even after firing Jim Harbaugh, who was the best coach in their modern history, mm-hmm. they kept Balky around for, I think it was two more years, one more year. And then it totally hit rock bottom and they finally moved on. I think that's what's going to happen in Jacksonville. If Khan can get out in front of it, he might save himself a season, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Well, producer Isaiah will keep us posted. I'm sure through his many accounts. Oh boy. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Last question. We'll go out on a fun one. Uh, this is from Megan Maria, who asks, what three songs do you hope are played in the halftime show between all of the performers? Um, just for a little refresh. The performers are Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. Should we each pick one and then it's a shared three? It's like a rapid fire oh. end note here. Yeah, How I'll exciting. go. Let's do that. Let's sure. Do that. <laughs> All right. Mal, you want you want to take the first stab at it? Uh sure. Yeah. In the interest of uh candor, uh, I consulted with Ringer music editor Justin Sales on this and you know, wanted to hear his his thoughts. That's great. Ex- we love an expert opinion. <laughs> I am going with for my one nominee here in our, our, our group exercise. You know, the halftime show is a shared experience. And so is our answer to this question. I am nominating Mary J. Blige's Real Love. Oh, yes. 1992, right? I've been searching for some song. To satisfy my every need. <laughs> this is my pick. <laughs> I think this would be a great one. A great one. I think that would be great. I think it would be great. I think like anything from the, the Mary J. Blige, Dre collective universe, like I would also be very down for a family affair moment. Yes. It's going to be great. Yes. I, I should say that Justin noted to me that he considered Family Affair a lock, one of the absolute locks for the eventual lineup. Yes. Yes. Produced by Dr. Dre. Like, it's happening. I feel like that's the era of music they're going to hit on and lean on for this, like, Los Angeles-themed show. But I'm going to go with, like, a more modern pick. I'm picking All Right by Kendrick Lamar. I think... I don't know if the NFL is going to allow him to play that, but I think it's fitting for what's going on in the country, what's going on in the NFL itself, especially now that Brian Flores has released this or had filed this suit. So that's my pick. I'm going with Kendrick Lamar. I think he's probably my favorite out of these five. And I think All Right's his best song. I love that. I I had sort of had a similar thought process with um, King Kunta, but I I just don't know how they're going to, like, even more broadly, whoever's Whoever has the the swear button for this show, for the broadcast, like I'm, I have questions, but I'm very excited about the lineup. Um, all right. So then I think I, I will tell you guys in my heart of hearts, what I really want from this halftime show is I want a real Snoop moment. I, I don't want Snoop to like stand and vibe the whole time. I would like Snoop to actually like put some effort do some stuff not just be featured artist guy but like really do some stuff um 
I will say, I guess this doesn't really capture that because I was going to say, I just, I just want still Dre, which I think is also kind of a lock. Um, but if we could get Snoop to like really take the reins at some point, that would be the other thing that would make me very, very happy. He has, he has gotten by recently by just being Snoop Dogg, by just like showing up. And no, he's like, he does, Snoop, Snoop doesn't do anything anymore. And it's fine. Right. Are you putting him on washed watch? He's washed up? No, like I, I think Snoop is immune to washed watch yeah. because yeah. everything nah, would be leading to, if Snoop could be on washed watch, he would have been on washed watch years ago, but he's just not because he's Snoop. Yeah, no, I agree. But he he kind of has just like rested on his laurels of just being Snoop Dogg and just being like yeah, a guy that I, shows up and he hangs out. Like, just, just like crush, drop it like it's hot. That's all I want. Yeah, right. Just a little bit of effort from you, Snoop. Come on. It also would be really I funny if somebody that. fumbled. Who's most likely to fumble? I feel like Eminem. I feel like Eminem would because he he tries to like rap really quickly and uh, use a bunch of words. I feel like he would be the favorite to fumble. We didn't. Eminem is the only person who didn't get mentioned in this. I, I do have to say I'm really excited for Eminem. I'm excited for all of this halftime show. Forgot about Dre is a lot too, right? They're going to do Forgot About Dre. Yeah. Well, but it's like, can they do Forgot About Dre and still Dre? Yes. Yeah, why not? The theme of the halftime show is Dr. Dre. So yeah, go with it. I also wonder the whole progression. if they could. Um, yeah. I also wonder if we might get um, a California love moment just because we're in LA. Perhaps. There's just a lot of, all of these people have worked together. So there's just a lot of overlap. There's a lot of options. I'm excited. I thought the I thought the um sort of the commercial for it. I don't know why the halftime show gets a commercial, but I guess I do to make people want to watch it. But I thought it was very good. Um, and I'm very excited. And I'm very excited for all of the fun Super Bowl content that is to come. And it has been just so joyful and wonderful to sit here and talk with you, Mallory and Steven, uh, on this fine Thursday. This has been the Ringer NFL show. There will be a show on this feed on Monday. That'll be very exciting. Mallory will be back on the Ringerverse feed with Joanna Robinson this Friday to break down the book of Boba Fett chapter six. I will be back on the Prestige TV feed with Joanna on Sunday to break down the fifth episode of season two of Euphoria, uh, which was yikes is all I will say. We will be back next week. Our thanks, as always, to production assistant Isaiah Blakely for producing this episode and to Arjuna Ramgopal for additional production supervision. 